time since I last sat on this seat. I think it must have been sometime last year. And it feels a little bit strange. <laughs> so uh, it might take me a little, a few minutes just to settle into myself, actually. So I really appreciate having the opportunity to speak uh, just the day before, four of us, or three actually, three of us will be leaving for America tomorrow. And uh, myself, Ajahn Mehta, and Anagarika Santusika. And uh, a little bit later in December, Ajahn Santusika will join us. We spent two months in uh, California in January and February, and I actually haven't... Uh, since then spoken to the whole community about uh, our experience or uh, what uh, we met there. Um, So just to say that we're following an invitation from the Saranaloka Foundation to start a monastery for nuns. And uh, in 2008, January, February last year, Ajahn Santachita and myself went to investigate to see whether there was a real possibility of this happening. And uh, right at the end of our, t- of our stay, of our two months, it, we, we realized we were, looking, we were visiting places and wondering where, um, you know, where the real support was. You know, we recognized there was interest, but it needs more than interest. It needs a, a real genuine hands-on support of, of, of local people if a monastery is going to happen. So we travelled up and down the west coast and right at the end, in the last week, we had a supporters meeting. People who were interested to support the beginnings of a monastery met in a, in a woman's house. And while we were there, we, we realised that we were sitting with the very people who were going to be our supporters. We were just sitting there saying to them, well, we don't know quite where we're going to end up yet because we don't know where the support is. And we realised it's right here in front of us, it's these people. So it's very lovely to sort of discover that. This, this is in the, the Bay Area of California. So we've been invited to return uh, to... Well, we spent, Ajahn Mehta and Santachita and myself spent to January, February in a little rented house, or a reasonable-sized rented house in San Francisco. And our thought was we'd probably be mostly doing outside engagements and that we would make the house a vihara for our own support, for our own benefit, to have the pujas and to have the, the shrine and so on. 
But uh, what we found was that people were really, really interested to come to the Vihara to take part in the uh, just simply sitting in meditation or um, coming to offer a meal, um, take the five precepts, these kind of things. And people were very, very hungry for it, actually, very interested and very hungry for this simple, (laughs) kind of really what was just sharing our daily life. So we'll be returning and opening, uh, well, moving into a monastery, into this same house in December. So we have a month where we're on the sort of on the road, moving from place to place. And then on December the 12th, we will move into this house and re um, breathe the the vihara life back into it. It is simply a rented house, so it's usually surfers. People going on holiday near the ocean go there. So we will um, transform it again, hopefully, into a vihara. And live there until such a time that a land becomes available for us to have a more rural place. I recognize that for many years I've, I've wanted to see a nun's community start. We've always lived in Chittas Namravati, apart from a, a short experiment in Hartridge. And I've put many hours into thinking and planning how this could happen and who could be the people and how it would work and how we'd have enough sisters to cover Amravati and Chittas and then enough to have start a third place. And I, I, I'm sort of more imagined that I would be here waving other people off as they went off to start a a monastery, but uh, actually um, I found that I've been waving them off in another way, so one after another sister is actually uh, particularly the key people who I would, who I thought would um, start be, be someone who could start a monastery have actually disrobed and that's happened a number of times now so I've found myself waving the sisters off in quite a different way to how I'd hoped and uh, now finding myself more senior, I uh, felt very clearly that I don't want to go in that same direction as I've watched my sisters go in, several of them. And uh, even though it does feel like our community is going to be quite stretched and we are leaving quite a big gap <laughs> when we leave, it feels very important to make that leap and not to just keep on repeating the same old pattern that's been going on for a long time, for many years now. And just to take a leap and see see what happens, see what effect it has. And we were just, uh, the sisters were just together before the puja and we were just speaking about how important it is to stay connected. So we're not just saying, thank you very much, we're going off now. We don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. We're, we're going as a branch and staying, it's very important for us to stay connected, particularly with the sisters, because we're a, we're a small community. And I think for most Western nuns in the Theravada at this time, it is pretty challenging. It's challenging. So I'm... Um, it's important to, you know... Keep what, what the strength that we do have is the sense of community and 
in that an incredible endurance. This is what I see in in the sisters, an incredible endurance and and willingness to bear with difficult conditions and transform them. uh, You know, using the practice, using the Dhamma to transform them. Sometimes almost impossible, <laughs> it seems, conditions. And and I see that this, this is what is happening, that it is being transformed. And I see the, the strength and confidence growing in the, the nuns' community, and that's, it's very beautiful to see that. Um, so over the past year, it's for me, and I think probably not just for me, but it has been a very challenging year, one of the most challenging years, certainly of my monastic life, one of the most challenging years. It's felt like navigating through a very narrow passage. And if you go too far left, you're going to crash. If you go too far right, you're going to fall off. <laughs> and you have to stay very mindful and focused just take one step at a time. I actually had an image of it's like it's been at times it's been like crossing the Grand Canyon on a tightrope. <laughs> and you don't want to go back and you don't want to stop and you definitely don't want to look down. So you just take another step and you take another step. And I feel maybe I'm not quite sure whether my feet are on on solid ground at the moment yet or not, but it certainly feels like it's reaching the end of that rope, that tightrope, and the, the, the earth is, the solid earth is very nearby, very close. But it has been a, um, a very challenging time, and I must say, I, I've, I, somebody pointed out to me quite early on, as, uh, as the challenges began, that uh, all the t- most of the tools that I have to work with this were given by Lumpur in Lumpur Samedo pointed out those tools how to work with how to use the mind you know how to how to stay steady in difficult circumstances so I've had to you know, be creative with many different skillful means and I and certainly for me, one of the very important things is is uh, Kalyanamita, good friends, and I've very much appreciated through this this process that uh, individuals have made an effort to sit down and talk and listen and share experiences, or just empathise, just just take it in and hear it, hear how difficult it is, has been. And this is very, very important. We're part of a sangha, and the sangha is a form. It has a shape. It's, it ha- in that, it, it can be, it, you know, it has its incredible supports. And certainly, I came here because the, uh, to use the sangha as a support. It was a, a means to support my practice. But also, as a form, it can become rigid, and it can lose. Heart, it can lose the human aspect. You know, I really appreciate that within this form, which has at times felt quite uh, almost brutal, actually, very, very almost like metallic and and solid, 
there have been individuals appearing and talking and listening and laughing and doing human things that human beings do. So I just really very, very much appreciate that each each one who has uh, <laughs> made contact and made effort in that way. And also just to, just to develop mindfulness, you know, with the many different mind states that arise. And learn to hold steady and not to, you know, run after or buy into the particular reaction that might be arising in my mind at any moment. So I've had some quite extreme thoughts over this year. Thoughts that I, some, certainly some that I've never had and some that I haven't had for a long time. Things would arise and I'd felt, you know, some extreme thoughts of, of what I would like to do other than what I am doing. Some way of getting away from the situation that I am in or was in. And, you know, having the, the, I suppose the knowing to just stay with that and watch it change. And recognize that point of presence that's in between Bhavatanha, wanting to become something else, and Vibhavatanha, wanting to get away from. I've also often reflected on the Buddha and how even the Lord Buddha, the fully enlightened Samasambuddha, experienced incredible challenges in his life. When after his enlightenment, you know, attempts of murdering him, somebody rolling a big rock down a mountain to try and kill him, sending a, a drunk, crazed elephant to run him over, <laughs> a woman accusing him of getting her pregnant, someone accusing him of, of murder. He's had all kinds of incredible, awful challenges. So even for a Buddha, the world you know, wasn't being sweet. It was, it was challenging. It was uh, confronting. But the, the freedom was found in the heart, not in making the world right or nice or how it should be, but in you know, developing loving kindness, developing patience, developing endurance also to be able to stay with the difficult conditions. So I've often, I would often think of that. Oh yeah, the, you know, the Buddha had a mad elephant running at him. <laughs> so compared to that, you know, what the situation or whatever situation I might find myself in is, is actually is actually manageable, and I can find a way of skillfully navigating through or have done so far anyway, found a way of skillfully navigating through these challenges. So I think probably everybody is aware of the storm that has been raging over the last couple of weeks around the position of nuns in the in the Theravada, well not just Theravada, actually Theravada and Vajrayana, but in the in the Buddhist monastic world. For me just to just to see I've had a little look on Benefit uh, Sujato's blog here and there. And just to see the open discussion and open dialogue around this 
is a is a great relief. I just felt, oh, how wonderful that this is actually being spoken about in the open. Because it, it feels to me like the coming together of of two tectonic plates, like um, two huge masses of earth are moving together and crashing into one another. And one is called tradition, and one is called modern world, modern life, modern values. And these two seemingly solid (laughs) things are right now crashing into one another. And it's, it's pretty chaotic and messy at the moment. But each time I see this, this image of these two bodies of earth crashing into each other, I immediately get this image of the Himalayas, the Himalayas, that grew out of, just out of that, out of two bodies of earth crashing into one another. And of course, the, the edges of each of those land masses would have been just, you know, broken up and changed and not destroyed, but changed. But the result of that is these beautiful mountains. They, they, they come about because of this crashing together of these two seemingly solid things. So I'm very interested to see now this, this crashing together of tradition and the modern world. And certainly as a nun, it's something that I've been aware of pretty much since I ordained. Now these two are, are not actually going together very well. The, the tradition and the you know, modern values, they, they do not really fit together. And as a nun, you often find yourself in a position where if you act in a way that, the, say, the Thai tradition is happy with, then the Western people are very upset. And if you act in a way that the Western people are happy with, then the Thai people are very upset. So you find yourself in this awkward position where whatever you do, step too far that way, it's wrong. Step too far that, that way, it's wrong. And, and you actually develop a, a, a kind of <laughs> an okayness with being wrong. You know, Rather than trying to find the right place, you just... You, know, you have to get on with your life, so okay, it's it's not going to be perfect, and you're going to upset somebody here, or you're going to upset somebody there, and what that does is it, it forces me to come back to my own intention and my own integrity, and just to trust that if I come from that place, even if some people get upset, it's okay. If I'm clear about my intention and my integrity, if you're in a situation where inevitably people are going to get upset, then I can just rest with my own intention and accept the the difficult awkwardness of this form. It is awkward. And when I came first to the monastery, I was quite young when I came here and quite idealistic. And I remember when I first came thinking, oh, how wonderful. Now I'm in a place where there's no politics. Everyone's kind and compassionate and it's all going to be really nice. People don't argue with each other. I felt so happy to come. At last I can come to a place where I don't have to get involved in all of that. So... (laughs) 
several years down the line, I find I'm in the middle of a firing range of politics. There's a, a, a lot of, not total, but there's a lot of politics and, and complexity. And, uh, you know, it comes it come to a forest tradition, and it sounds also wonderful, a forest tradition. Practice, practice is the main focus in the forest tradition, and I found myself in, a, in quite a large sort of institution, I suppose. Very public, most of the time. It's a very, very different situation to the, the ideal that I came in here with. Part of what this teaches me is to actually open for life as it is. And I can see how much when I came here I really did not want to open to life as it is. I wanted a, a nice, safe, protected, as little pain as possible environment where I didn't, ha- where I could have, a, you know, because I could maybe enjoy my meditation and not have to deal too much with the complexities of, of being human. <laughs> And what I find is I'm completely confronted with the complexities of being human, totally. And I, and I see, well, this is, this is life, you know. It's like this. It, it's painful. It's awkward. It's unfair. <laughs> it challenges you. And that's how it is. And I feel that over this year, there's been a, just a sense of, Opening to that, letting go into the unsatisfactoriness of life. And I realized that this is, this is actually what I, you know, what I came for was to, to be free from delusion. Certainly some of my delusions over the last year, uh, they've had the veils pulled off them. I've, and I've seen things that I perhaps didn't want to see, you know. I've had to see situations, my, some of my sweet illusions have been Shattered. If I look at the situation from the perspective that I came in here with, of, of wanting a nice, safe environment that's kind of comfortable enough and everyone's going to be sweet and friendly, then I could say I'm very disappointed. Because it's, it's, uh, it hasn't been like that. But if I look at it from the perspective of a, someone who came here for spiritual practice, who wishes to awaken then I must say, I feel incredibly fortunate. I feel like, wow, this has been the opportunity of a lifetime. It doesn't get much better than this in terms of both the supports and the challenges to awaken. And, and when I think about walking in that sense of walking the, the tightrope over the Grand Canyon, you know, in a way that's... It's the sort of thing you read books about and you know, people wish that they'd meet the right guru who could you know, take them to that age. <laughs> and I just feel like, gosh, what an incredible opportunity this has been. And I'm very glad that I haven't fallen off that rope. <laughs> it's, it, it's at times, it certainly is at, at times it's felt quite brutal. And yet, what it's what it what it's revealed is a is a strength, an inner strength, that isn't so dependent on the outer forms. And I, I see that in myself, and I also see it in many of my sisters. So it seems to be that it's you know, for for Western women who who want to be nuns at this time, 
You know, part of the karma of it is making a place, you know, making a place for oneself. It is a different karma to being a monk, to being a bhikkhu, and that's. It took me quite a long time to accept that. Actually, I, I thought that it shouldn't be like that, but I've come to realize it, it, it simply is. It's, it's a different karma. You know, those. I was going to say those women who want to practice, but I want to go, just go back a little bit before I say that. But you know, when I first heard the Buddha's teaching, I was a teenager, 14, and I didn't have any uh, knowledge of Sangha. I didn't know that there was Sangha or that there had been monastic communities or that there, were, that there would be anything at this time, at this, in this age. And when I heard the, the Buddha's teaching, the Four Noble Truths, it was like a direct transmission. My mind just opened and received that possibility of awakening in the, in the moment. It was the first time I actually felt there is a way out of samsara. And it was very clear to me that the Buddha knew the way out of samsara. And it was just, for me, a case of waiting until I could understand or read the map or find the beginning of the path. So I didn't know how to do it, but I, I, it was like a direct opening or informing, something like that. Later on, when I heard about the Sangha, there was immediately a sense of, yes, that's what I want to do. I want to be a, a, a Buddhist nun, immediately. Uh, I thought I would do it later on. I was not in a hurry to do it, but I knew that's what, that's what I want to do. And it was simply the heart wishing to awaken. That's what it was. It wasn't a woman wanting to become a nun. It was a heart that wished to awaken. This is what's brought each of us here, you know, that same movement in the heart and wish to awaken. It is, it is no different. <laughs> it makes no difference whether you're green or white or black or female or male. It makes no difference whatsoever. It's the heart that wishes to awaken. So that's what brought me here. And that is what is slowly and, and sometimes blissfully and sometimes painfully awakening. And it is, it is very strange to find oneself in a, in a, in a context where there is such an emphasis on, uh, well, there is such a difference, a sense of discrimination, really, such a difference if, you, if it's a heart that wishes to awaken within a female body or a heart that wishes to awaken within a male body. It is very strange to find that discrepancy, that, that big difference within the, you know, within the Sangha. But it is the situation, and I see that that's the case for, for us, uh, sisters here, and it's the case for you know, women who've gone to Asia to you know, practice, Western women who've gone to practice as Mechis or in Burma where you can stay for some time. And it is the case for the, for the women who've ordained as bhikkhunis also. There are, there are, I think, over 500 in Sri Lanka, but they are not as yet recognized. So, you know, wherever you are, <laughs> um, this this is the karma of the situation at this time for Buddhist nuns in the Theravada. And it's challenging. For myself, uh, one of the things that's, been, that's kind of kept me going in a way is uh, until recently I was the novice nun here. 
and actually seeing the the women who are coming in and wanting to to practice and recognizing the challenges and seeing the difficulties and feeling the difficulties and wanting to practice and wanting to use this form for liberation, you know. There's been many times that I've gone into an Anagarikar meeting and sat there with the, the Anagarikars and just felt so refreshed because I recognized that same, you know, that was, I had that same wish. I, I also came in at a time when many, many nuns were leaving and I recognized this is a form that will guide me in the right direction and I need some help. So, you know, I would see all of these different women leaving and I would feel, well, that's, the, that's her karma and that's her karma and that's her karma. But my karma is that I need to be here and I need to, to practice in this context. And uh, so I've, that's what I've, each time I've, not each time, but most times I've sat down with the Anagari cars, I've met that same clear intention. And that's been very heartening and encouraging. Because there have been times when I thought, well, you know, why am I making my life so difficult? And is this really of any use to anyone, actually? And then that once you've kind of got the hang of, you know, it's about awareness, then you realize you can be aware anywhere, in any situation. So you don't really have to be a monk or a nun. So the, the question would arise, you know, what, you know, am I just making my life difficult here? You know, what keeps me going and uh, keeps that sense of purpose, I suppose, is, you know, it's partly seeing the fruits of my own practice and it's also just seeing the women who want to come in and use this training for liberation. So the work continues to keep that path open it's like for the Bhikkhu Sangha, because it's been, the path has been trod for 2,500 years, it's like a big wide open road in some ways. I mean, I'm sure there's, a, it's not just a cruise by any means, but, you know, it's the, the road is well trodden and it's, uh, it's clear. And for the nuns, not that long ago, the sisters were cutting through virgin rainforest with their machetes, you know. And now we're still kind of clearing the path and making the path by walking the path. So I really see that, that, that you know, it, it's a worthwhile thing to do. It works and, you know, it opens up the path for others. And it's hard work. It's hard going. So we're about to go off to start a, a nun's monastery. We don't really know what that means yet. Um, I, I very much have a sense I can see a few steps ahead of me. And uh, when I take those steps, I can see a few more steps. So that's how it feels. It's a, it's, a, it's a step into the unknown to a large degree. And it feels right to do it. It feels great, actually, to have the opportunity to do this. And... You know, I also feel very fortunate that to be able to do this with Ajahn Metta and Ajahn Santa Chita because we've been here, basically, we, we arrived more or less at the same time. 
and we've been through many peaks and troughs and plateaus over the years. Partly it's wonderful that we're all still here, <laughs> and to be able to do this together feels uh, excellent, actually, very, very fortunate. And also to have Santusika as our support. Um, and when, when National Santusika and I went out last year, January, February last year, Santusika wasn't yet part of our community. She was uh, kind of a freelance anagarikar in America. And uh, she came and joined us and it was an amazing support. She was, uh, she drove, she handled the money, she did the, the IT, she cooked <laughs> and negotiated uh, engagements. She did, it was amazing, amazing support. Arranged places for us to stay. So it's, it feels very lovely to be, to have Santusika coming back with us now as part of this community and establishing the, the Vihara that we were just kind of looking to see whether it would be possible to do under two years ago. So it does feel like a, a very good start. The local support where we'll be is, uh, it's, it's a very strong support. Certainly we've, each supporters meeting we've had, there, there have been about 20 people coming. In, within that 20, there are always a few that haven't come. So there's a broadish base of support and, and a great variety of skills and experience. So it does feel like we've got the kind of best conditions we could have, really, to start this Vihara. We'll start in this rented house, uh, or just on the edge of San Francisco, three minutes' walk from the ocean. I feel very happy that we're there. We're going back there. It's a, it's a lovely spot. We'll be there until, hopefully, until there's the possibility to to get land. And the, the three of us, it feels a little bit funny for me to, in some ways, to be sitting up here on my own because the three of us have done the, we've we've so much worked together on the the whole project and you know, shared the pretty much everything to do with it. And it, I sort of feel like I, need, I should have Santosita and Rachel <laughs> here too, who can who can bring in their part because because we are we are working very much as a as a team together, sharing the responsibilities and the teaching and uh, all of it. So it's a new beginning, and you know, new beginnings mean endings also. You know, many people have expressed their well, some people have felt you know, annoyed with us that we're going, and some people have felt sorry. And uh, there's a whole, a whole range of maybe some people are glad actually, but nobody's told us that yet. There's been a whole range of responses to our leaving, and because we have lived here for a long time, and uh, you know we, we feel, and I certainly feel very much part of this community, which is you know, the whole community. I mean, the whole community. But in order to start something new, you have to end something. That's just the way it goes. So we really you know, take all of your good wishes and the, all of the blessings that have come over the last days. You know, we take them with us. And as I said before, we go as a branch monastery. We go as a branch to here, not as a not a, a splitting off from getting away from. It's, it's a branch monastery that we're looking at. And the, the conception of it, let's say, was, was wholesome. You know, it, was, it was of a wish to enable nuns to have a place to practice 
where nuns can grow in confidence and gain experience in you know, more direct contact with you know, receiving alms and offering the animodana and you know, growing into the responsibilities of, of actually managing a place, uh, you know, meeting directly with the lay people. So we, we wanted to see that happen, you know, that there's, that there's, a, there's a possibility for that to happen for nuns. It, it certainly hasn't come from a, a reaction or a, a wish to get away from. It's come from a wish to enable and to give something, to give something wholesome. And so we continue with that intention. We will see what happens. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.